Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Well, welcome back to the evening service. It is really great to be back and I'm sure some of you were uh, eager to come back to 1 Corinthians. Uh, I must confess then when I saw that it it was this text for me. I wasn't so eager anymore. <laughs> uh, but won't you open your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And today we are reading from verse 2 to verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 to 16. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man not, ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but, wom- but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman but woman for men. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of men nor men of woman. For as woman was made from men, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves, Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice nor do the churches of God. Oh, Lord, I really need your help. Lord, um, this is your word. You, You place this text, this passage in the scriptures for a reason, and they are applicable today. Lord, I do pray that you would just help me in the delivering of of this message, 
please, Lord, give me strength. Give me the right articulation. Please help me. And open our hearts to listen to what you are saying here in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, parents often will give instructions to children not for the sake of the instruction, but for the sake of teaching something to their children. Have you ever seen that? Maybe you tell the child to, oh, why don't you share your small little sweet to, with an adult? And, and the child feels like, why are you making me do this? He has money to buy plenty of sweets. <laughs> but the parent's doing that for a reason, to, to, to teach the child about sharing. Right, I, I think, and I don't know, you know, after a time, you don't know which stories you've shared with the congregations and which stories you haven't shared. So if, you, if I've already shared this story, please, please forgive me. So uh, when we were in Peru, um, in, during break, we, a couple of us used to um, get together to play soccer, and we used to make a, a soccer ball with, with pages of, of our notebooks and then put... Uh, tape around it, and we would use that until it got completely broken up. Um, anyways, so my parents, uh, in, her, in their missionary newsletters, just shared this, uh, just as a, I don't know, a story on the side. And one woman from, one sister from Brazil was touched by that and, and sent the soccer ball from Brazil for us to play uh, during break. Now, when we got that soccer ball, I remember that my mom wanted to take a picture of all of us with my class and, and the soccer ball to send to, this, to the sister so that she could know that it was delivered. And there was a guy that I didn't like, and he was kind of a bully. <laughs> and I didn't want him to be in the photo. I didn't even want him to play with the soccer ball. <laughs> and I am arguing with my mom, not him, not him. Don't <laughs> and, and she's like, you're going to share, and you're going to play soccer with him as well. But the point was not, for this was not to make this guy feel better, but it was to teach me a lesson. And so... The title of this message we entitled Shoe Woman Wear Head Covering. Salamu had a little bit to do with it. Um, but it actually is, is not exactly about that. And so let's, let's go into what is this about. And the first point, our first point for tonight is this is about the order of creation, authority, and submission. Look at verse 3. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Now, isn't it interesting? He's going to talk about head coverings. He's going to address head coverings. But this is the starting point. This is the setup. He's saying we, this is a starting point. He's no longer commending them as in verse 2 because they have remembered the things that Paul has taught them. But now he goes on now to an exhortation and he goes on to say, 
I don't want you to be uninformed. This is what I want you to understand. About head coverings. Head coverings are coming, but this is a starting point. This is what it is about. The head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. This is about the order of creation. There is a creation order of authority. Now, what does that mean? God has given men and women different roles. And we here at Central Baptist Church, we are unashamedly complementarian. What does that mean? We believe that God in His Word has set for men to lead at home and at church, and that is a role that is exclusive for men. That's why all the elders are males. And the same at home, men are supposed to be the head. On contrary of the egalitarian view that says there is no distinction of roles, uh, any men and women are, uh, are, can have the same roles. It does not mean that certain roles are specific for men. And we, we do recognize that this is not about capacity. This doesn't mean that woman can't, uh, is not capable of, of preaching or that they, they're not smart enough. Uh, my previous, one of my previous pastors used to say, God used the weakest things of, of the world to humble the wise. You know, we are often not very clever, the men. <laughs> but God has... In his divine wisdom and, um, and creation order has given men and women different roles to play. And this is not regarding male preference either. Look at verse 10 and 11. Um, sorry, from verse 9. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. This is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head. And so there is a purpose even in the order of, of creation. And you might be thinking here, maybe some of the ladies, or if you're not very familiar with this concept of complementarianism, you may be be feeling right now a little bit triggered and thinking, ah, this sounds so male-dominant. But look at what Paul's argument is. In end of verse 3, he points to Christ, that the, Christ, the head of Christ is God. He's saying even in the Godhead, in the Trinity, there is a difference of roles. This does not mean by any means... Uh, any means that Jesus Christ is any less God than the Father. It does not mean that Jesus is inferior to the Father, but that, there, that Jesus plays a role of submission to the Father. So if you want to turn things, if you're thinking, well, uh, this talk about headship and authority, this is outdated. Man is not the head of woman, and woman is not the head of man. Why, why do we need a head anyways? And, and you're just pulling all this 
all the you putting all of this on the side. This is just it was just because of a cultural uh, 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 the cultural norm at that time. If you just say that, what do you do with the example of Christ? Um, uh, that the head of Christ is God. You can't say that that's cultural. You can't turn that on his head. There is an, an order. And this is what, what Paul is, is pointing out. And, and this is seen elsewhere in Ephesians 5, 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. See, it is important for us to understand that there is an order. That Christ is the head of the church. The church is not the head of Christ. You can't turn the other, the other, the order around. John MacArthur says this: the principle is these people get it. Authority and submission pervade the whole universe. In the relationship between man and man, there is authority and submission. In the relationship between man and God, there is authority and submission. In the relationship between God and God, there is authority and submission. The entire universe is pervaded by this concept. And, and we as Christians should understand that the principle of authority and submission is a good thing. Now, obviously, there is... Um, Abuse. Sometimes, does abuse occur? Yes. In last year, the Southern Baptist in, in the States, there was a report that over 400 pastors abused women in the Southern Baptist. 400. And there, is, there was a big investigation. And... Um, uh, one newscast came to Dr. Albert Moeller for comment regarding that and asking specific if complementarianism contributed to the abuse. And his answer was, it didn't seem to contribute to Har- Harvey Weinstein. Now, if you don't know who that is, there's a, a famous Hollywood guy that got uh, caught that abused multiple women. And his point was, the problem is sin. Now, this, there are systems and there are good things that God reveals, but any system at some point will crack down because of human sin. So coming, so we've established there's this an order of authority and submission. And now, coming to the question that you really came here to hear about. Um, now, before we jump into to the question, we need to understand what gave rise to this exhortation. Why does Paul address this? Now, if you remember the very first sermon on the Corinthians passage, we did mention that this letter of 1 Corinthians is actually a second letter, that Paul had already written a, a letter to the Corinthians, and out of, of response to that first letter, some issues arose, and this among them. And there are two things that context helps us to understand a little bit better the, um, this passage. And Eerdmans and MacArthur help us with, with some of this. A couple of context things to help us with this. 
there, firstly, there seems to have been a, a woman's movement in the Corinthian society that were kind of making a statement of liberation against marriage. And they would take off their veil to make a statement. And some would go as far as shaving their heads. So this was kind of a feminist of liberation in the society going on. And it seems like some of this may have permeated into the church. At the same time, Paul is writing, and and the Corinthian church knew this, that Roman men sometimes practiced the custom of pulling the loose folds of their toga over their head as an act of piety in the worship of pagan gods. And so Paul seems to point out that men should not dishonor Christ by praying according to this pagan custom, which would have been known to the Corinthian churches. So, should women use head coverings? Well, the answer is, yes, they should, and no, they don't have to. (laughs) Well, let me explain. This is about authority and submission. Firstly, you need to understand that. Secondly, there is a specific context that Paul is speaking about that is in during uh, praying and prophesying. Look at verse 4. It's saying, Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. So it's not talking about always uh, about head coverings. But secondly, Paul does point out in verse 9 and 10 that he's talking about something more than just a cloth over the woman's head. We see in verse 9, neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head. And it says there, because of angels. Now, there were a lot of rabbit holes, okay, in this passage. And it, it has been a challenge to, to not go down the rabbit holes. But I'm just going to say this thing about the angels. Um, because that's a, a whole other thing. And the motive seems to be that angels are watching and are present in the worship of God's people during the services. And This is a motive for obeying God's command. Angels were invisible, being present during worship services. But coming back, so why do do I respond, yes, women should cover their heads? If you are in a context that is the cultural expression of submission, modesty, and femininity, then yes, you, you should cover your head, that humor may portray submission and and femininity. And it's not about head coverings. It's not about heads. I know in the past people have made it about heads. But if you're not in a context where conveying the head, when covering the head is necessary for portraying true femininity and submission, then you don't have to cover your head. 
Again, MacArthur is helpful. Look, whatever standard your society sets up as the way in which you manifest a submissive spirit, you abide by that standard. So that society knows you are following the God-ordained pattern. If it's a veil, wear it. Don't throw it away. Last of all, don't throw it away in the name of Christian liberty. So what, what seems to be happening in, during the, the, the Corinthian services is this. Some women were um, just, you know, taking their, their veil off in, 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 in the prophesying. And, but it was kind of following the example of this movement that is happening in society. Now, I, I thought very hard about this, and if you still don't get it, let me try to illustrate it, okay? So the veil was a sign of propriety and submission. Now imagine, for a second, we are in the middle of the worship service, like now, uh, and by the way, this section introduces a section where Paul addresses how worship should be done from, verse, from chapter 11 to chapter 14. So imagine we are in the middle of a service, okay? And then Melissa comes up here to the front, stands right here, and shouts, Hallelujah! Grabs her wedding ring and throws it into the floor. I know, very wild illustration. Uh, and that, that would never happen. She's way too shy for that. <laughs> but here, here's the point that if you stay with me. While it may be apparent that with her words she's praising God, she's bringing dishonor to myself as her husband and to God. It is not a spirit of submission. It is more like a statement if she did something like that. Do you get the picture? This woman were doing this unveiling and maybe even uh, shaving her heads out of, out of a statement. And it was not, and they were bringing embarrassment to their husbands. And so this is not, Paul is saying, cover your head. You, you should not bring shame and disgrace to your husbands. Follow the pattern of submission and authority that God has given. And in that context, the expression is, yes, I'm going to cover my head in a spirit of submission, of, uh, and of godliness, and, and in the spirit of following that which God has uh, designed us to, to do. In the way that God had designed me to behave So even if we ask the question, well, what about men? Should men cover his head or have long hair? We, we, we have there verse 4, every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. And verse 14, does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? Well, again, my answer would be yes and no. Um, here some context helps again. There are two elements. One we've already mentioned. But in verse 4, Paul seems to be even addressing specifically the Jews. The Jews were used to covering 
their heads when praying. But Paul in, um, says, don't, don't do that. Don't bring confusion in the society that you are in. There is, there is something that is appropriate for men and there is something for, for appropriate for women. Don't mix these thing, this things. In verse 7, not, he, he also says, For men ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. Now, why, what does this mean? This phrase, glory of God, and, and we see this happening. Um, and the ESV study Bible is, is helpful and explains, it is used in the, sin of, in the sense of one who shows the excellence of. Paul argues that a woman, by the excellence of her being, also shows how excellent man is, since she was taken out of men at the beginning, and also was created as a helper for men at the beginning. Now, should men have long hair? Men can have long hair, so relax, Daniel. It's okay. In, in verse uh, 14, it says, But does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? Now, if we were to leave things to nature, if all of us where to leave things with nature, men will have more hair than women because it will grow big hair here and a big beard here. <clears throat> so is, is Paul referring to the length of hair? No, Paul is not referring to the length of hair. He's saying, he's appealing that man's appearance should not be mistaken by woman's appearance. It goes against the creation order. It's against nature. Piper says, the cultural symbols of femininity and masculinity change. For example, in America, Paul could say, doesn't nature teach you that a man should not wear a dress? But the teaching of nature rooted in creation does not change. Except where pervert perversions are so widespread they are defended as natural like homosexuality so can can men um, wear uh, a dress or a skirt well in Scotland they can (laughs) can men wear uh, big earrings if you're in Papua New Guinea yeah probably but there is in society, in cultures, ex- explicit uh, expressions of both malehood and womanhood. And Paul is saying, don't, don't mix those. Men should not look like a woman, and, men, and women should not look like men. This is what Paul is speaking about. So thirdly, keeping the roles as they were intended. As we go through this context, can you see how relevant this passage is for today's day and age? Now, look at this picture. Now, I don't know if you can see what's going on there, but this is the nature that we look, that that we live in. 
where more and more the lines are being blurred and there is less and less um, clarity regarding manhood and womanhood. I, I actually, this, this week, I was downloading an, an app about something, and, you know, they all go through the setup stage and then ask, and then it asks me, what is your gender, male, female, or non-binary? And we live in a, in a society that is that has blurred the lines completely. And so this text is very relevant for today. John Piper says this is about primarily the preservation of God-given distinctions between men and women in the way they relate to each other. Now we have already established that there is a creation order But in case there are some here with chauvinistic tendencies and are rejoicing inside, Paul doesn't end there. Look at verse 11 and 12. He says, Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. We need each other. That's why I believe complementarianism is biblical, because men need women, and women need men. One is not above the other. We have different roles, but we need each other. Piper again says, The headship of men expressed by the head covering of women does not justify male self-sufficiency or female insignificance. So we, we need both men and women. We need a church. We need both men and women serving and praying and helping together. We need men to lead their households well, to lead their wives and children well in, in godliness. We need women to... Submit, respect their husbands, and instruct the children in the ways of the Lord. None is better than the other. None is independent of the other. In the Lord, we are in need of each other. Now, recapping this is referring to the order of creation. It's not referring to just a cultural context, but at the same time it is speaking about cultural expressions of masculinity and femininity. Again, to quote Piper one more time, saying that nature, that is natural, intrinsic maleness, inclines a man to feel repulsed and shameful for wearing culturally defined symbols of womanhood. Paul is saying that nature that is natural, built-in, God-given, intrinsic maleness inclines a man to feel repulsed and shameful by wearing the culturally defined symbols of womanhood. God has a beautiful design, and there are appropriate cultural expressions to, to show that for men and women. 
Now, in, in closing, when we come to a passage like this and you hear what I just said, there is, there is a danger here. There is a danger to, to just think, well, isn't that great? There is freedom in Christ, and I don't have to worry about all of, all of this thing of, of head covering. And that is great, that Jesus Christ came, and it is for freedom that he has set us free. But that does not give you a license to sin. The freedom in Christ that we have and to express ourselves as this is, is not at all for us to be thinking in, in the way of, um, I can do whatever I want. That is not applicable to me anymore. God has set us free. Christ has set us free for us to, to obey him and to listen to him. Now, if, if there are sometimes the way that we approach Christianity is a list of do's and don'ts. And, and that is not, that's not right. It doesn't mean that there aren't do's and don'ts. But there is a, a Christ following that out of that, I'm not going to do that, and I am going to do that out of obedience. He has set us free for obeying Him, our Master and our Savior. And while we rejoice that hey, we, we don't have to necessarily wear a head covering, my challenge for us tonight is to, to examine ourselves in, in which area are we taking this approach of calling it freedom in Christ, but it is actually disobedience. Where are we going just, I don't need to worry about that because, yeah, I'm not, I'm not under the law anymore. Out of what Christ has done for you at Calvary, your whole life should be devoted to what, what did my master say? What, what did he say? What should I do? How should I follow him? It's not just about, uh, oh, I don't. Christian liberty, praise the Lord. But follow him. Listen very carefully to what he says. And, and I must confess, it, it's been a... Um, a challenging passage to, to prepare for. But it really also made me question my, my traditions, you know, in terms of, well, you know, the head or, or men covering the head or something, you know? And it's like, what is God saying? What is, what is he saying? How, what is the word of God saying to me? I want to follow what he has said to me. And so I, I just don't, I don't want you to get out of here tonight just with flippantly, uh, dealing with this issue flippantly as if yeah, it doesn't matter. Head covering is, that doesn't matter. I, wa I want us to leave saying, thank you, Lord, for your salvation. 
Thank you for the freedom that you give us. Help me to be a better man and express that well in my culture. Help me to be a better woman and express that well in my culture. And, and follow him and listen to his commands. Let's pray. Lord, we do want to thank you that we find ourselves here in South Africa and, and there are freedom, there is freedom in, in expression. But Lord, I do want to pray and ask that you would help us to follow the creation order that that men will take up their role following Jesus that women will take up their role following Jesus that will be clinging to your precious words in all that you have to say to us So, Lord, would you enable us to, to be godly men and godly women, which is so countercultural in this day and age, Lord, that as society looks at us, that they will see clearly defined godly men and godly women, Lord. So we want to listen to you. We want to obey your word. So would you help us with that? I ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za